When I was a young man of about 20 or 21, I kind of went through a bit of a crisis. I just could not get my head around what I was supposed to do with my life. And it really did feel like a crisis. I went through a whole series, a whole year where consistently over and over I had this kind of nagging in the back of my head or my heart. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And it kind of began to go from just a small thought into grow into this big thought of what am I supposed to do? And it culminated in this time where I had an eight-hour drive up to see my family. And the whole drive, every mile, I became more and more anxious as this kind of circle of thinking went on that I couldn't get out of. What am I supposed to do? What is John White supposed to do? What was I created to do? And I couldn't get out of my mind. And so I came up and I saw my parents and I was overwhelmed and frustrated and worried about what I was supposed to do. So I'm not very good at hiding things and so my dad could see I wasn't right and he said, John, let's have a chat. So I sat down with my dad and I just kind of laid it all out there. I said, Dad, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Freaking out about it. Here it is. And I just blow. And my dad looks at me. And he, I don't know that he would even remember saying this, but it's something that has stuck with me today. He looked at me and he said, John, here's my thought. He said, it's not so much what you do, but who you are. Think about who you are first and attend to that and then see what you can do. And it was as if a light bulb went on inside of me. It was as if everything that I had been thinking was illuminated And I really had to go away and think and pray about that. One of the effects of that was what I saw was actually the reason I had been asking myself what I should do is because I didn't want to look at actually who I was and felt like I had actually gone on a bit of a spiritual drift and wasn't where I should be. So luckily for me, I had the opportunity to sign up for kind of a year-long discipleship course at my church and able to give myself some focused time on sorting out who I was inside first. And... That's not the journey just uh, for me at all. Because in the scripture we see here as well, Jesus beginning to look at the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, and saying, who you are matters, not just what you do. And he's being precise with his language. You see, if we think of the larger context of, of how we've been seeing Jesus, because this is our last kind of look at his words We see Jesus becoming more and more focused in his teaching as he comes to Jerusalem. He's more and more open about the fact that he's going to die. He's more and more open about the fact that he is going to have physical pain and torture and that he will go to a cross. He's been very clear about this. And as he goes into Jerusalem, he becomes a bit more combative as well. He begins to use language that kind of riles up these religious leaders. So they come, and we've seen week after week as we've gone through the scripture, They've tried to trick him out in every way. They've tried to ask him all these tricky questions so that the crowds would amass against Jesus. But in his great wisdom, nobody can trick him out. And last week we saw kind of the culmination of this, where they try and trick him out and ask him, what is the main thing? What is it all about? And he says, the greatest commandments. He says, love God with everything and love those around you just like you love yourself. That's it. It all hinges on these things. Love God with everything and love those around you. And the truth is when we hear that, the greatest commandments, for us, it is a a way for us to kind of say, this is how we should be living our life. These are the things we should put in place. 
in order to kind of know how to please Jesus. And that's true. That is the way we should lead our lives. But we see Jesus here doing something different with that as well. We see him using it as a measuring stick to put up against the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He says, if this is it, if this is how you're supposed to live, do you do that? Do you who are the people of the religion, who you who are the people that should most know the law, do you live up to it? Do you love God with everything? And do you love those around you? And that's the context of which we go into the scripture. He's using it as a measuring stick to say, look at yourselves. But only to him, because we saw in that reading that his disciples are there and the crowds are there. And so in a sense, he's opening it up and saying, everybody, let's have a look at them. So it's quite poignant, yeah? It's intense. And you can kind of, reading this, you kind of see, this is kind of why they want to kill Jesus. He's really getting after, he's really getting after him now. He's, he's really hammering it home. And so what we want to do tonight is we want to look at this, and a lot of the language and what is happening is rooted right in that time, specific to Jesus' people, specific to that times, specific to those religious leaders and those systems. But, so we want to kind of interpret it for that time. But what we want to do is kind of glean truths for our own life as disciples, for our own Christian faith that we can kind of pull out uh, for our understanding. So what I'll do is we're going to look at this uh, verse by verse, and then we're going to have kind of light bulb questions at the end. And they're the kind of the questions that we can pull out for ourselves. So definitely open your Bible to page 991, uh, chapter 23. And we're going to go right through this in chunks. So uh, I really appreciate if you did, would have your, your Bible open. And we're going to start by looking at verses 1 to 4. It says this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them so I have to say as I read this and opened up this scripture I was deeply confused what is Jesus saying he's literally saying you must be careful to do everything they tell you but do not do what they do and to me that kind of doesn't make any sense so I went to my commentaries and I went let's see what what is Jesus meaning There's lots of thought on it, but the one prevailing thought is this. Jesus was being sarcastic. And I love that Jesus is sarcastic. Because sometimes we think of Jesus as so meek and mild. But here he's using a great technique to kind of draw the crowds in. And here's how I would do it in today's world, yeah? I'd say something like this. This is to understand what he's doing. It would be like me saying, Donald Trump is running for president. That's a big deal. So we should listen to him. But we should not do anything he says or anything he does. Do you know? He's pulling people in. They're saying, this is Jesus talking about the Pharisees as powerful people that we should listen to them. They're saying, don't do what they do. But he moves quickly into going beyond sarcasm into teaching. And he says, because they tie heavy burdens on people. And this is what it means. is The teachers of the law on that day, they loved their rules. Everything they did was based, was rule-based. And what you had is you had young believers uh, coming up through the ranks. And wanting to be discipled by them, wanting to be shown the way towards, towards God. And what they would do is just put on them their system of rules, their rules that were so heavy and so cumbersome that nobody could keep them all. So what you'd see is a system where people would come up, keen to know God, they would say, then you have to do this list of rules, and inevitably, 
those people would fail. And then what Jesus is saying, instead of coming alongside them and lifting them up and saying, it's okay, we're going to keep going, they would say, how dare you? How dare you fail? How dare you be imperfect? And they would, they would squash them. They would squash down their belief. They would squash down their, igno- uh, their eagerness. And what this would lead to is a division. So the more they would squash them down, the more they would be seen as the ones that could keep the rules and the other people would be seen as the people that were just the followers that couldn't keep the rules. You see what would happen, and rather than having this law reveal Jesus, it would reveal to people how inadequate they were and how superior the teachers of the law were, how powerful they were. And this is not okay with Jesus. He's saying this is not okay. He's mad about it. See, the reason he's mad about it is because as Jesus comes and he says, he comes to bring a light burden. He comes to bring a burden that is accessible to all, that people can enter in. That's what God is about. And yet, you see these heavy burdens. So what's our light bulb question from this? Looking at this kind of system of rules of the day. How can we pull out a question that kind of is maybe an intense question, but illuminates our own hearts so we can understand as disciples that we are not going down the road of being Pharisees or teachers of the law. The question is this, and it's to us personally, to us as HTC, and to the church wider. Do we want obedience or transformation? Here's what I mean by that. Are we more concerned that people come to church and look the part of HTC, or are we more concerned that Claygate is transformed? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do we expect people to come in here and leave their life at the door so they can look like HTC people? That's the big question. It's not an easy question to ask, but we have to be asking ourselves this. Because if we're just asking people to culturally find Jesus rather than experience real transformation, then we might be heading down the same road as the hypocrites. Do we want people to obey a system of rules or culture or really find transformation? That's the question. So let's go back to scripture now and we're going to go through this and keep going and we're going to see more of these questions but it will come back up at the end. So let's look at verses 5 to 7. Jesus comes back here and he says, Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor, banquets, and the most important seat in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. So again, we see this language of the day. The first word that stands out to me is phylacteries. So what is a phylactery? Well, in Jewish culture, they used to take and bind around their arms and around their head these little boxes. And within their boxes were a piece of the law. And it was meant to kind of show that they were obeying the law and focused on the law. There's, there's still, in uh, Israel today, you'll still see that in Jewish culture. In New York, there's a lot of that as well where there's um, really serious Jews. And they will carry this. Not, I don't think really serious Jews is the right phrase. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's a better phrase, but I don't have it in my mind right now. Okay. But they would bind that around and they'd have these boxes. And what Jesus is saying is, this box is meant to uh, keep the law in your minds, but they've made it more ornate. They're making them super kind of leather, amazing, ornate boxes to show off how much more serious they are than those that have just your ordinary little box. 
It says, even look at this. Every Jew of the day would have tassels on their garments that were of a certain length. And the idea of these tassels in that day, even Jesus would have had tassels on his garment, was to be a reminder of the law as well. And so if you were going to do something, you'd have to move your garment and your tassel would brush up against your hands or you'd see it and it was supposed to remind, be a reminder for the law. Equally, when you looked at people, you were supposed to see their tassels and see the law in them as well. So it was another reminder of the law. But what these, these teachers of law did instead, they began to lengthen them and make them even longer. So they were even extra law keepers. Yeah? So what Jesus is saying is look at the physical things you do with your little ornate boxes and your huge tassels. Look at all these things that are made to make you look like a super law person. And yet, and yet, what you really care about is being a big deal on the social scene. You want to be the number one person invited to the banquets that everyone's looking at. You want to be greeted in the streets. That's what's really going on. The way I can think about it is this. Is we've all seen Wizard of Oz, yeah? My kids are getting into Wizard of Oz now. And there's a scene where they're in the Emerald City and they go before the wizard and he's there and he's big. And Toto goes over to the side and pulls back the curtain. And there's just some guy working a machine. Yeah? In the same way, Jesus is saying, this is what, we th- this is what they want you to think. But look, we're going to pull back the curtain. This is who they really are. They're not men of law. They're not men of humility. What you see on the outside is not what's on the inside. What's on the inside is pride and we need to see it. It's heavy words from Jesus. It would have been revolutionary within that context. So what's our light bulb question? What's the question we ask ourselves? Do we wear a church, a church mask? Do we live our lives one way and do we put on a mask to come to church? Do we pretend that we've got it all together or that we're super spiritual, but we know that on the inside it's a bit different? Or even that our actions are different on the outside versus when we come in? That's a heavy question. That's a heavy question. But are we people who present ourselves as those who love Jesus, but our actions are very different? That's the light bulb question that we've got to ask. Because that's what Jesus is asking here, and that's the measuring stick he's putting up. So we move on to verses 8 to 10. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. So we see in Scripture and other places that Jesus talks about um, leaders and that. So I think it's not so much saying that the issue is is that we call Philip vicar or Mike curate. It's not so much about titles. It's an issue of authority. And we saw in verse 1 that the, um, sorry, there's sun coming right in my face, so I'm going to, I keep moving, but that's why I keep moving, but okay. Um, that's for great for anyone listening online, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So the, um, so what happens is it's, it's not so much about the title. What it is, is we see in verse 1 that we read earlier, they said these people sit in the seat of Moses. And that's a sign of authority that comes down from the law, that there is authority in teaching in the rabbinical system, that these are men of authority that teach the pure law. And when, we, when you see them in that culture at that time, you expect the truth of the law to come out. You expect the truth of teaching to be there because they are in the authority, that place of authority like Moses was. And Jesus is saying, 
do not call these men these special names because they are not the teachers of authority. And this is where Jesus is taking his authority and he's trumping everything about them. He's coming in and he's saying, you call them rabbi, you call them teacher, you call them people who are preaching the truth, and yet here is the Messiah before you. I am the Messiah that is before you. I am the one who is truth. What I say carries the most weight. I am in control here. I am God in your midst, and you've not recognized me. How can these men be teachers of truth if they don't recognize the Messiah, if they don't see the authority of the one instructor who is Jesus, the Messiah? In a sense, he's saying they don't have any authority at all because they're not teaching the truths of God. That's what I'm here to do. And we know that is what Jesus does. He's the one that kind of unveils who God is so that we can see God in our midst. Here's the light bulb question. Do we trust Jesus with our lives? Do we put Jesus on the place of ultimate authority in our lives? Or do we kind of switch ourselves with him? Do we um, come to church and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but when we have big questions, big things in our lives, when, when kind of whatever we need, whether blessing or hardship, is it Jesus that we go to as the one who has ultimate authority in our lives? That's the hard standard that he's coming to. Do we do that, or do we also relegate Jesus to just a good teacher while we trust ourselves more? Because that's what's happening here in this situation. Let's go on to verses 11 to 12. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, we've been looking through Matthew for a number of weeks now, and we've been seeing Jesus consistently. I've never seen it so clear, so clear as in this uh, preaching plan that we've been doing and seeing it and reading it again. Over and over and over again, Jesus is saying the same message. Humility and service. Humility and service. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not that this comes out of nowhere here. It's been Jesus' consistent message from the very beginning. It's about humility and service. It would lead us to believe that humility and service is of the utmost importance to Jesus. And it is the, of the utmost importance to God. And what he does here is he's saying, look at all this stuff about these teachers of the law. Is it really about humility and service for them? Because we actually see that we know for a fact it's not. Because he's proven that it's actually not about humility, because they're deeply prideful. They want to tie burdens onto people's backs so they can have more power. They want to be seen as the powerful ones and push others down. So it's not about humility for them. They're prideful. And it's not about service. It's not about giving and caring for those around them because, again, they put heavy burdens on their back. So this is the opposite of what the religious leaders of that day are. And in fact, if we go back to the greatest commandments, love God with everything and love those around you, it is humility and service. Accept God and love people around you. Humble yourself before God and love those around you. It's humility and service. And these men do not live up to that standard. They are prideful and self-seeking. So here's the light bulb question. Are we servants? 
Are we servants in the way that we see ourselves? Are we servants in our communities? Are we servants in our spheres of influence? Or are we self-seeking? That's a hard question. I have to say, for me, I've struggled with this sermon because these questions, have, they've been weighing on me as well. It's hard to know sometimes how where serving starts and self ends. So we see Jesus coming and he is in a nutshell right here. What we're doing, the first 12 verses are just the beginning. Because he goes on in this chapter, the rest of this chapter is the seven woes. Where he takes this and he expands it and he basically hammers these Pharisees and teachers of the law. And they're just taking it and he's just like, and they're just thinking, instead of repentance, they're like, we need to kill this guy. Basically, he opens it up and he's like, you're going to have to kill me because this is the truth of who you are. And it strikes him. Now, there were teachers and, and Pharisees that were God-fearing men back then, but a lot of them were not. Yeah? So who were they? This is the conclusion. There were people who put heavy burdens on people. There were people who had an inward reality that was different than the outward reality that they projected. They did not see or understand the authority of Jesus. And they did not have within themselves humility and service. This is who they were. This is the religious order that Jesus was not okay with. And it's clear, strongly, he was not okay with this. So here's the questions that we ask ourselves today. Do we want obedience or transformation in our society for those who come? Do we wear a mask at church, a life that is different outside than inside? Do we trust Jesus with our lives Do we give him the place of authority? And the last question is, are we servants? These are heavy questions. I feel like if I left you with just that, just those questions, I would be no different than the teachers of the law. Because you see, there's a bigger picture. And this is what I'm excited to talk about. This is the part of scripture that is beautiful. Because it's not about us working harder. It's about the work and life of Jesus. What we have to do to these tough questions of discipleship is insert the cross. And see that it is the work of Jesus. Jesus, as he comes down and takes our sins upon himself, offers grace. Offers grace in place of works. So we don't have to actually carry just heavy burdens out here, though these questions are good. But we can actually carry with ourselves grace from God. Grace to live a life that is an easy yoke. Grace that comes directly from heaven. You are forgiven. As our lives are changed by encountering God firsthand, As our sins are forgiven and we are clean on the inside, it changes how we act. And we get to give out love. Because we've been so loved, we get to love. See, here's the thing. These are heavy questions. But the answer is grace and love. The answer is from Jesus and it is grace and love. So there's a challenge here, I think. 
There's a challenge to ask ourselves serious questions, but to not go away and try and work harder, because that's the way of the law. It's to come back to Jesus and to ask for his grace and his love again so that we can be people marked with grace and love. And then we reinterpret those questions. Do we want obedience or or transformation? We want transformation because we've seen Jesus transform us and we want to see people be transformed by Jesus. Do we wear a mask at church? We don't have to because we've been forgiven and we are clean on the inside and we're clean on the outside. We can come and be honest about our lives here because we all need the forgiveness of Jesus. Do we trust Jesus with our lives? Is there any other way to live? He is the God who loves us and has come to save us. And are we servants? What a beautiful way to live, to be servants of a God who gives us grace and love.